The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. It's uh, John Scholes here along with managing partner Alex Luchaferro, San Firu Tamarkin, LLP, the most positively uh, reviewed employment law firm in this land. Get a hold of, have a lengthier conversation than what you could do this morning or today. Anyway, one 855 821 Always a good place to start. There's also a website, covidrights.ca. You have questions about the vaccine, mandatory or otherwise. Uh, all that stuff having to do with the workplace, not so much the... Uh, you know, the, the the medical end of it, the ethical end of it, how you feel personally about vaccines or otherwise. But when it comes down to an employment law question, those can be answered here as well. In fact, you know, Alex, for the last few weeks, the main topic of every show, regardless of where we want to take it, has turned into vaccination and how it affects people in the workplace, which uh, makes sense, right? It's a busy topic. So we'll take those uh, taking those calls later on, of course. So feel free to, uh, to chime in with your emails as well in that regard. But outside of that stuff, we'll get to this, what you need to know about employment contracts and five things if we have time five things that an employment lawyer can do that you probably can't so we'll get to that as well alex uh good to have you along pal what do you got going on for the week that was hey john thanks very much great to be back live on uh, on the air here talking about employment law talking about workplace uh, rights people have you know tons of questions nowadays john as you said about mandatory vaccination policies it is definitely the talk of the town in the employment law uh, world. Still lots of questions as well about workplace safety, severance, temporary layoffs are still happening. Uh, uh, John, you know, all all employment concerns with respect to COVID-19. And, you know, listen, it's obviously an interesting time in employment law, uh, uh, John, and we always encourage people to contact us to seek out that help, seek out the information and the advice that they need to help resolve their workplace problem or whether you want to contact us off air whatever you're more comfortable with uh you know it's important that if you have questions about your work if you've been let go from your job if you feel like your employer isn't holding up its end uh, of the bargain you need to speak with an employment lawyer as soon as possible these kinds of conversations can't wait it can literally affect your entire career and obviously the more information the more knowledge you have as an employee the more protected and prepared you're going to be to deal with any of these kinds of workplace uh, issues. You know, it's important to remember, John, employment law hasn't changed. Uh, It hasn't been suspended. It hasn't been rewritten since the start of of the pandemic. Employers still have obligations to their employees. Employees still have the same rights that they had in the workplace before the pandemic began. And again, whether that's to do with temporary layoffs, whether it's to do with severance, uh, you know, whether it has to do with safety in the workplace, we're definitely going to talk about mandatory vaccination uh, uh, policies. You name it. Again, these rules haven't changed. Employees need to know what their rights are in these kinds of situations. They need to know what options they have when they're dealing with a difficult situation at work. So listen, you know, with all that said, you know, uh, let's talk about a few matters that came across my desk uh, this week. Uh, but, you know, uh, as I alluded to, let's talk about one in particular, John, and that's these mandatory vaccination policies that we're starting to see uh, out there. A number of companies, huge multinational corporations, uh, John, and small mom and pop shops. I've seen it myself with my own eyes. Uh, I've spoken to people already 
that are being advised that unless they are vaccinated, they are not going to be able to attend work. And employers are giving employees two options, uh, John, in this respect. They're either saying, if you are not vaccinated by a certain date, we are terminating your employment. That's scenario number one that we're seeing. Scenario number two that we're seeing is employers telling employees, if you are not vaccinated by a certain date, we are suspending you. We are putting you on a leave of absence without pay. Those are the two kinds of scenarios that we're seeing in the workplace, John, when it comes to these mandatory vaccination policies. And I have to say, they're concerning. Uh, They're concerning, John, because really what these employers are saying is, uh, if you are not vaccinated, if you haven't undergone this particular medical procedure, we are stopping your employment, either by out and out terminating the employee or by sending them home without pay. And these employees are concerned, Uh, John. They're, of course, concerned because their livelihood now depends on their vaccination status. And for the most part, uh, and I will kind of exclude from this conversation employees that are unionized, because those employees, unfortunately, or for better or worse, they're going to have to deal with their unions, uh, John. But for the vast majority of employees uh, out there that are provincially regulated, Uh, these employees are going to have a tough decision to make. They're going to have to choose, practically speaking, between their jobs and potentially, uh, you know, ending their employment and receiving a severance package. Those employees are certainly going to be owed severance. There's no question about that. Those employees might even be owed additional damages uh, based on the way in which they were treated. But there's no magic bullet here, John. We are in a tough spot when it comes to this situation. Those employees that decide not to get vaccinated, they're going to have to have, uh, you know, a, a think about what they want to do here. Do they want to end their employment uh, and receive a severance package or alternatively get vaccinated and keep their jobs? Despite the fact that legally speaking, uh, you know, employers aren't necessarily allowed to do that, the practical reality of the situation is going to be employees are going to be faced with that choice. What's the uh, what's the temperature been as far as you're concerned with uh, people calling you and contacting you? Are they kind of saying, you know what, I guess i got to suck it up and get vaccinated because I, I, I want to keep my job? Or is it more people saying, you know what, I'll try to get another gig. In the meantime, I have some severance. Alex, thank you very much. And I'll look for more opportunities and still not get vaccinated. Yeah, I think it's it's been a mixed bag, uh, uh, John. And and listen, every individual is in a different situation. I've spoken uh, I've spoken with a couple of individuals who have medical exemptions, even though those medical exemptions are are very very narrow. Not many doctors out there are going to write up a note saying this person shouldn't be vaccinated. I think most doctors are in favor of 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 people being vaccinated, and fair enough. I think that's a very very valid valid uh, point. But I've spoken to a couple of people that have that have medical exemptions. I've spoken to a couple of people that have already decided to get vaccinated in order to keep their jobs. That's how valuable their jobs are to them. And of course, I've also spoken to some individuals that for one reason or another are absolutely against being being vaccinated. And those people have chosen, uh, have decided that they're going to stand their ground. And if that means their employment ending, well, so be it. Uh, So again, it's a mixed bag. 
for all of our listeners out there, again, if you are concerned about this situation, if you are one of those individuals where your job is in jeopardy uh, because of your vaccination status, it's important that you get advice in the situation as quickly as possible. You need to know how to talk to your employer about these things. You need to know what to say and what not uh, to say. Let us help you there. Let us coach you through that so that you put yourself in the strongest position possible. Even if your employment does come to an end, we want to guarantee you that you get as much severance as possible, that you maximize what you can get out of the company uh, so that you can have the time and the financial security to hold yourself over until you can find that next job. Again, reaching out to uh, Alex and his crew anytime when we're, uh, we're not on air, of course, one 821 5900 help at employmentlawyer.ca. There's also the website built just for you called pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Lots of information uh, there as well. You can use it at your uh, leisure. There's also contact in the severance pay calculator uh, wrapped up into that website as well. What else you got going on, Bill? Well, uh, you know, in, in a situation like this, we're still seeing uh, lots of people still on temporary layoffs. People have, that have uh, accepted the temporary layoff status Back when they were first laid off, you know, most of them in March or April of last year, and lots of people contacting us, John, because as of right now, uh, the infectious disease emergency leave, as the provincial government in Ontario is calling it, is scheduled to end on September 25th, so just in a couple of weeks of time. Now, I want to make clear, John, that for people that uh, haven't accepted, kind of formally accepted a temporary layoff status, You should know, all employees in the province should know, you don't have to accept a temporary layoff. A temporary layoff is something that as an employee you need to agree to, you need to be comfortable with. And if you're not happy with your temporary layoff status, you can likely treat that as a termination and obtain severance pay. Now, again, employees are contacting us now, uh, John, and saying, listen, I haven't heard from my employer in several months. This infectious disease leave is emergency leave is coming to an end of September 25th. What do I do if I'm not called back to work on the 25th? And the answer is very simple, John. It's, well, you need to speak with us. You need to give us a call right away. If you're not called back to work on the 25th, your employment is deemed terminated and you're owed severance as a result. So for those employees that actually did accept the layoff, Know that the deadline is on the horizon, uh, and if you're not called back to work in the next couple of weeks, you will likely have a very strong claim for severance pay. So do make sure of that as an employee who's still on a temporary layoff. My only concern, John, is that this infectious disease emergency leave is pushed back again as it has been last year and this year into the summer. And, you know, last time, you know, in July, it was pushed until September. That may still happen, uh, John. But again, I want to make it clear out there for all of of our employees uh, out there listening that are still on temporary layoff. If you haven't already, make sure you get legal advice. You may be able to treat the layoff as a termination, as as an actual termination, get your severance pay and get moving on with you got questions about uh, vaccination? Bring them on. If not, uh, what you need to know about employment contract is coming up as well. Employment Law Show. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. 
The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Alex Luchaferro is our guy, is your guy as well, with all of your questions being answered on the show today. Uh, we got a lot of stuff to talk about, so we'll, uh, we'll get to it. In the meantime, as we line up some calls here, brother, going to get to this, what you need to know about employment contract. Number one, the first question is for people who have been offered one or, or, or you've told them you should have one. They're going to say, why are they so important? Yeah, I wanted to talk about employment contracts this morning, John, only because, with again, with employees coming back from temporary layoffs, with employers really having a very close and very keen eye now on, on employment-related issues, I've seen lots of employers introduce employment contracts over the past year, there have been lots of changes in the law uh, that have required employers to do that, and employees should be on guard on this issue. The reason why employment contracts are so important, especially for employees, is that they will almost always, if not always, John, favor the employer. Employment contracts are there to limit employer liability, to limit employer risk, uh, particularly when it comes to things like severance, like the ability to temporarily lay off in, uh, employees. And I can name a ton, of, uh, a ton of other items. They're there to protect the employer and to minimize what an employer might have to pay uh, in, in any given situation. And so as an employee who's being presented an employment contract, whether it's the uh, whether if it's at the start of the employment relationship or during your employment, which has a kind of ton of other uh, you know issues related to it, you sure. need to be very very careful about signing an employment contract as an employee. You need to really understand what you're signing. Ideally, you want to get advice from an employment lawyer. Uh, it doesn't have to be us. Certainly, that's part of the work that we do. But it could be any employment lawyer. For that, uh, for that matter, you need to get advice before you sign an employment contract. It can end up costing you tens and tens of thousands of dollars years down the road if you don't know what you're signing up for. Again, let's get to the phone calls. They're always uh, top priority here on the show, so we'll do exactly that. Tom, hello. Thank you for waiting. How are you? Not too bad. I just have a question regarding uh, now the mandating that's coming on to be fully vaccinated before you enter a job site. If you're part of a union, and now this is it's coming down the pipes where you have to reveal your status of vaccination. Uh, you can do self-testing. They got a list of items. But in the event where you know you don't want to do any of them for whatever your personal choices, uh, what what is the if they lay you off and terminate you and you can't work after being a union member? What uh, what is there a severance compensation? Because the way I'm thinking is you're, you're working for this company for 10, 15, 20 years, regardless you're a union member. They pay your WSIB. You're, you're technically an employee of that company, even though there's an agreement between the union. Is there, is, would it be tricky in that point there if they lay you off and trying to get like the severance pay like you're talking about? Yeah, it's an important question, uh, Tom. And I mean, you, you kind of nailed the issue, which is when you are a unionized employee, you know, despite the fact that you're obviously an employee of the company, the union is your legal representative. So you're going to have to live and die, so to speak, by what your union is prepared to do in order to support your position. And we've seen lots of unions go along with these kind of mandatory vaccination policies. Now, you alluded to testing, and it's a very important point because if an employer gives an employee that option, 
and says, well, either you need to be vaccinated or alternatively, if you don't want to disclose your vaccination status, that's okay, but you're going to have to undergo uh, regular, and I would say kind of weekly is probably is probably reasonable. You'll have to go, let's say, weekly COVID tests to confirm that, you, you, that you know, you're not sick, that you don't have COVID-19. That's sure. going to be a reasonable solution, Tom. And actually, our courts and some uh, some union arbitration decisions have already deemed testing for COVID-19 in the workplace reasonable. So that's an out for a company. And that's something that, as an employee, if you don't agree to the testing and you don't agree to disclosing your status, well, again, now you're stuck between a rock uh, and a hard place, and it might cost you your job. Okay, that's fine. That's a good explanation. Thank you very much. Thank you, Tom. Appreciate that. Going to move on to uh, Ahmed. Ahmed, hello. How are you, sir? Good. What's happening? Yeah, I guess like uh, if it is not too late. Uh, in 2016, I was working with the company, bus company, which was I, I was in Alberta. Uh, I was supervisor. Next thing I know, uh, I got call from the office. They told me uh, you have to leave. I say okay. Then next thing I know, like uh, they just pay me for two weeks. Uh, Sovereign pay. That's it. I work with them about three years. Uh, that's what uh, I just want to know. What should I do in this situation? Yeah, do I, I have think it's a tough spot. Time? Yeah, I think it's a tough spot, uh, uh, Ahmed, uh, because um, and, and listen, we you know this is uh, I, I'm an Ontario employment lawyer, so I can't necessarily speak to uh, you know Alberta employment laws. Although we do have a Calgary office. Uh, Ahmed, so maybe you want to contact our ca- uh, Calgary office and have a chat with one of our lawyers there. But I, uh, okay. but listen, just as some preliminary information, uh, I think this is the case in Alberta as well. An employee has two years from the date of their layoff or two years from their date of the termination to pursue any kind of severance claim or employment matter. So if, if this happened in 2016, if I understood correctly, you are likely out of time, uh, you know, and I hate to be the bearer of bad news in that respect, but, you know, I, I appreciate you calling because it's a lesson for all of our listeners out there. If you're dealing with an employment situation, whether it's a termination or a temporary layoff, or, you know, if you were forced to quit your employment because your boss was harassing you or they, you know, they changed your pay or they changed your position, you would have two years from the date that that happened to pursue the employment claim, and it's really as black and white as if it's two years and one day, Ahmed, you're out of time. Oh, so, uh, you know, unfortunately, I think that uh, that ship has sailed at this point in time. Thank you very much. I, I appreciate it. Thanks, Ahmed. Appreciate it. Enjoy the rest of your day. Going to move on down to uh, to Dana. Hi, Dana. How are you? Hi. I'm good. How are Great. you? Great. What's, uh, what's on your mind? Okay. So I work in a university setting. I am unionized. Um, as of Monday, we are no longer able to attend work if we're not fully vaccinated or at least have the first vaccination. Um, I did contact the union, and they said it was mandated by the chief medical officer of Ontario, including the university sector. Um, so my question to him was, can they not take the rapid testing twice a week as they're giving to people that are not fully vaccinated instead of getting the jab. <laughs> and apparently, no, I will not be able to do that. 
Um, he said the union will work with the university to facilitate any accommodation, including unpaid leave. Now, obviously, people, well, I can't afford unpaid leave. So I was wondering what the next step could be. Yeah, and are, they, yeah. are they allowed to put me on unpaid leave? You know, it's uh, again, I, you know, it's a tough spot, uh, Dana, because particularly on that issue of testing, if an employer is not giving that option as an alternate to say, well, if you know, if you don't want to disclose your status or if you're not vaccinated, then you have to undergo the testing. If that's not even an option, I have an issue. Uh, I have an issue with that. I think that is an unreasonable and potentially unlawful policy. Now, the difficulty that you have, Dana, and I, I certainly don't want to sound like a broken record, but this is the reality okay. of the situation. Because you are unionized, your union yeah. is the only one, uh, the only entity, legal entity, that can yeah. champion that cause. And if they decide not to, that puts you in a very difficult position where it's impossible effectively to, to seek outside assistance from someone like an employment lawyer. And, and that puts you in a situation where either you have to accept this unpaid leave uh, or alternatively, uh, you know, get vaccinated. Now, that is, you can, we can distinguish that situation from somebody who's non-unionized, where if that non-unionized employee is sent home without pay, they can claim what's called constructive dis dismissal. They can claim a termination and seek their severance pay. So it's potentially, uh, you know, there are many benefits to being unionized, don't get me wrong, the pay, the benefits, etc. But in oh. this particular situation, it's actually a detriment. Ideally, you know, that non-unionized employee can actually seek severance and move on with their career, whereas those unionized employees are stuck within that union environment, and that limits their, their options. So, yeah, so basically lose your job or, or get vaccinated. That's my yeah, only and, and I would... I would continue to listen very politely and very professionally, uh, follow up with your union and discuss potential solutions, discuss potential options, try and find some sort of middle ground uh, uh, there. But again, if your union is taking a hard stance and effectively siding with the employer's position, you know, because it's you know yeah. being mandated, then again, I think you're stuck between, uh, you know, either getting vaccinated or potentially, you know, being on this unpaid leave or, or losing your job. All right. Okay. Oh, sorry. Appreciate it, Dan. Appreciate the call again. If you need to reach out anymore, which I'm not sure you will in your case being unionized, but you never know. one 821 We're going to slide Danny in here in the last minute or two before we break. Hey, Danny, how are you? Hi. Um, yeah, myself, um, I, I work with a bunch of people that have had uh, vaccine adverse reactions and um, our, our, our employers talk in this way about it. And um, I, I raised the point to him that the chief medical officer of health, uh, Dr. Moore, uh, like Dr. Tam and Dr. Lowe, or even before him, Dr. Williams, none of them have ever actually treated COVID patients and we're following them as experts. And I got into a discussion of workplace safety uh, akin to asbestos or radiation, like they're recommending telling us no problem, it's safe, yet none of them have any actual practical experience treating COVID. And this is whose information we're following. Something's very wrong with this picture. So how do we bring that forward uh, for an issue of workplace safety? The reality is this, Dan, which is if the government is... Uh 
going to mandate uh, vaccination policies in particular industries. And we've already seen the federal government, number one, uh, impose this in the transportation industry, but also allude to the fact that it's going to be in other federally related, regulated uh, workplaces. If this is a government mandate, employers have to follow. Employers cannot decide, you know what, I'm not going to follow what the government uh, is saying they are going to have a legal obligation to institute uh-huh. these kinds of things. How, now, how, how, we can, how would we how would we bring forward the fact that none of these leaders in, in healthcare have have had any experience? Like none of them have treated COVID patients. Yeah, you're you're listen. You're thinking outside of the realm of employment law here, Danny. And this is an an employment uh, show. So, the, I mean, the reality is that uh, if you uh, are in a unionized environment, or if you're in one of those industries where the government has mandated these vaccination policies, practically speaking, right, set aside whether that's uh, legally correct or not. And again, I have issues there with with uh, whether they're legal or not. Practically speaking, an employee is going to be in a situation where they're going to have to choose between their job and being vaccinated. It's a tough spot, don't get me wrong, uh, but those bigger picture conversations uh, don't affect the status on the ground right now and the difficult choice that employees are going to have moving forward. More of your calls coming up here after a short break and what you need to know about employment contracts. We'll get into more of that as well. It's the Employment Law Show. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Alex Luchaferro and managing partner Sam Fivru to Market LLP, the most positively reviewed employment law firm in the land. You can reach out to, to Alex anytime. His team, sure, 1-855-821-5900, help at employmentlawyer.ca. More phone calls on the way. In the meantime, uh, Alex is going to continue uh, talking about this and what you need to know about employment contracts. Point number two, what's better, handshake deal or 10-page binder of an agreement? I know what most people would think <laughs> off the hop, but it may not be true, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, I, and you know, it, it probably depends on whether you're an employer or an employee, as, I was, as we yeah. were chatting about uh, before, John. If you're an employer, listen, you want an employment contract. You want an employment contract that allows uh, you to potentially change an employee's terms of employment. You want an employment contract that limits how much severance an employee might be owed. You want an employment contract that allows for temporary layoffs as just a couple of examples of what an employment employment contract can do for an employer. If you're an employee, uh, John, you want the handshake deal always, every single time. You want you know a very basic offer letter, here's your pay, you know, uh, here's your vacation, here are your benefits, and off you go. You don't want anything in your employment contract about termination or anything about temporary layoffs or anything about changes uh, to your position because that means that an employee preserves their full protections. They preserve their full, what we call your common law, meaning judge-made law, entitlements when it comes to severance, when it comes to claiming constructive dismissal based on a temporary layoff. If your employment contract is silent on all of those issues, you have all of those rights as an employee. And so the handshake deal is always, 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 from an employee's point of view, the preferred option. Let's get a call. Let's move over to Tom. Hey, Tom, thanks for standing by for a moment. How are you? Thank you. Good. Um, So I have a question. 
My wife works in a daycare, which is front-facing setting. She's fully vaccinated. Um, she has an employee in her room who refuses to get the vaccination for no other reason than she just doesn't want it and doesn't believe in it. Um, she was nervous, and I convinced her to talk to her supervisor. And, asked, and she told her supervisor she was nervous. The supervisor listened to her and everything. Um, and they wrote, she wrote an email, uh, the supervisor wrote an email to the board of directors to see what to do. Is there anything else that can happen if she's still not feeling comfortable? It's not a union, so it's a, is it considered a health and safety issue? Just curious if there's anything else legally she can do, or is that kind of all she can do? Yeah, it certainly is a health and safety issue, Josh, although the only obligation that the employer has is to follow the uh, the health uh, uh, kind of rules uh, are what the you know, local public health authorities are mandating uh, with respect to what to do in the workplace. So that's masking, that's cleanliness. Again, in the non-unionized setting, such as your, your wife, our provincial government, hasn't yet mandated any kind of vaccination policy or any kind of mandatory uh, vaccine requirements. So really, as long as the employer, Josh, is making sure that employees are masks, that, you know, uh, that uh, everything's being disinfected on a, on a, you know, on a, a regular basis and that cleanliness is being, uh, you know, upheld, there's really not much that can be done in a situation uh, like that based on an employee's vaccine status. So as long as you're, as long as her employer is following those public health guidelines, uh, I don't think there is going to be any further recourse uh, for your wife. Listen, health and safety in the workplace is still important, right? It still matters and matters tremendously. Uh, but it, at this point in time, it's going to have to stop short of requiring employees to be vaccinated. Again, at least at the provincial level uh, and in the non-unionized setting. Tommy, appreciate it, pal. We're going to uh, move on to another call like we like to do. Markle, hello there. Hi. Um, I'm curious. If if the company and the union agrees on these mandates to take a vaccine, who's liable if I get an adverse effect when I take the vaccine? Is it the union or the company? Yeah, there. <laughs> it's neither, uh, uh, Markle, in the sense in the sense that uh, there is no liability in a situation like this, and this is something that has come from effectively the federal government, at least in Canada. And I think most countries across the world uh, have um, have introduced regulations and legislation absolving any uh, any of these entities. Uh, uh, as being liable for any kind of adverse reactions. So, listen, it might be part of the reason why someone decides not to get vaccinated, uh, but it doesn't mean that you are going to be able to pursue any particular uh, entity if you have uh, an adverse reaction. That's just the reality of the situation. So, basically, you're saying they're, they're screwing their employees and the government's not going to back them up or give them disability or, you know, the family loses money, nothing. It's, I take the chance or, like, don't we have a constitutional right for that protection? No, not necessarily. Because, I mean, you've got to remember, and, and I don't want to get into the politics of, of vaccination or not vaccination uh, 
uh, uh, Marco, our, you know, our, our job here is to simply advise what the law is with respect to these issues and what options employees have. Keep in mind, this is a public, you know, a public health emergency, uh, effectively. So there is going to be a balancing of what is good for the individual versus what is good for the public at large. And the answer is not going to be on one side of the scale or the other. It's going to be in the middle uh, somewhere, and that's going to require very careful consideration of how far the government, for example, or an employer can encroach on an individual's liberty versus balancing what is good for the public at large. Because certainly what we don't want is more lockdowns and indefinite lockdowns. And again, there has to be a balancing. Before we break into one more of these uh, talking points, pal, what you need to know about employment contract, that is coming up and more of your phone calls. And if we got time, the five things that an employment lawyer can do that you probably can't, that is on the way. So is more Employment Law Show. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. And welcome back, Employment Law Show. Yeah, going to get more questions here and more things you need to know about employment contracts. Next one up, Alex. Alex Lucifero, by the way, our managing partners at Firu Tamarkin LLP, reaching out. 1 855 821 5900. What should employees watch out for when they sign those contracts, right? Yeah, and I've alluded to them already, uh, John. The big one is going to be any language around termination. Uh, Usually it's a paragraph that's titled termination, uh, and it'll be underlined and bold, and there'll be a couple of paragraphs there about uh, resignation, number one. So what, uh, what kind of notice an employee has to give if they're resigning from their employment. The next paragraph might be about terminations for cause, meaning if an employee has done something so terribly wrong, so against the employment relationship that an employer is allowed to let them go with, with zero severance or zero notice. And then uh, there'll be a paragraph that's referring to a what's called a without cause termination, meaning if the termination is for no particular reason at all or due to a restructuring or some other issue. Uh, and you want to be careful because a lot of contracts, especially nowadays, John, will try and limit an employee's severance entitlements to their minimum entitlements under, at least in Ontario, the Employment Standards Act. And that might mean, John, that you only get one or two weeks per year of service. So again, that should be raising alarm bells for an employee. If you see that termination paragraph and you see a bunch of language in there that's referring to the Employment Standards Act, that means that your severance entitlements might be uh, minimal. A lot of times, those provisions are negotiable, uh, John. A lot of times, if an employer really wants to hire an employee, they will make changes to uh, to that uh, language, and you can potentially structure your own severance package. I know it sounds a little weird if you're first yeah. being hired by a company to be talking about termination and severance, but listen, these things are important. They can, again, they can affect you further down the road years from then and cost you tens of thousands of dollars. I, I want to make a side point as well, John, if I can, with respect to termination uh, language in employment contracts. If you signed the contract, you know, one year ago, two years ago, five or ten years ago, and you're being let go right now, 
and you have a look at your employment contract and it has termination language in it. Don't assume that it's enforceable. Don't assume that an employer is allowed to just pay you what they have to pay you under the contract and move on. A lot of contracts, even contracts that are being created today, a lot of contracts aren't drafted by employment lawyers. They're not enforceable. We oftentimes, almost always, I would say, can find ways around contractual language and get an employee their full entitlements. So don't just assume that the contract, that the language in your contract is correct if you've already signed it. If you're being let go and being offered severance, whether you have an employment contract or not, you want to get advice from an employment lawyer to make sure that the severance offer is correct. Like I said, a lot of times we can get around that contractual language and still get an employee their full severance entitlements based on their age, position, and years of service. What if it's a situation where you're uh, you're already an employee? For instance, I mean, COVID-19 has probably seen this too. You know, workplaces going back to work. Things have changed on the ground, so let's slide everybody some new employment contracts to uh, to change the way the landscape looks now post-COVID. I mean, it's yeah, you got to watch out for that too, yeah? You do, and, and as I uh, mentioned earlier, we're seeing a lot of that, John. We're seeing lots of employers introduce employment contracts yeah. to existing employees, and there are a couple of important points that need to be made in, in that respect. From an employee's point of view, again, listen, the, the starting point has to be this. Uh, if you are being uh, offered an employment contract to sign mid-employment, even though your position's not changing and your pay's not changing, maybe your employer's even offering you a raise, don't just sign off on that employment agreement. Again, chances are, whether you realize it or not, there are going to be terms in that employment agreement that benefit the employer and take away your rights as an employee. So make sure you get legal advice before you sign. Make sure you speak with an employment lawyer. Don't be pressured into signing it. Don't sign on the spot. Take the employment agreement with you. Say, employer, I need a few days or I need a couple of weeks to review this and think about it. I'll get back to you when I can. That's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Your employer can't force you to sign that employment. So Point. if it's somebody if it's somebody who is either midstream employment or someone who's looking at a new job, um, you've signed it. Oops, just caught the show, didn't get advice. Now what do they do? Can they do anything? Yeah, listen, once it's signed, it's signed. There's not much to do uh, about it. But here's an important second point, John, which is if an employer is introducing that contract mid-employment, Let's say you've already been employed with the company for a few months or even a few years, and now all of a sudden an employer is introducing an employment contract. In order for that contract to be enforceable, in order for it to actually hold any weight, the employer has to provide the employee with something more than just their continued employment. There has to be a signing bonus. There has to be a raise. There has to be something better for that employee in order for the contract to actually be enforceable. So for those employees that have already signed and they didn't receive a raise or they didn't receive a signing bonus or and really all that they got in exchange for signing that contract was just continuing their employment as it was beforehand, then you know what? You have an excellent argument as an employee, if you're ever let go, to say that the contract's unenforceable. And you want to be able to say that the contract isn't enforceable because, again, it'll probably have language in it about severance or language in it about temporary layoffs that you might want to get around. So it's what we call consideration at law. An employer has to provide consideration for signing an employment contract 
for an employee that's uh, that's already employed. And again, most often that's a signing bonus or a raise. Those are the two we'll see the most often. You know, we talked about a few things coming up here that an employment lawyer can do. You probably can. I mean, we kind of covered evaluate your employment contract. We know to have that sent along to you to be uh, to be looked at for sure. And uh, this is this is something else. Uh, you know, in the last couple minutes we'll we'll cover here, and people think they could do it on their own and be successful. That is uh, secure and negotiate a fair severance package. Yeah, and, and you know, listen. This this is going to sound self-serving, John, as an employment lawyer, somebody who does this for a living all day, every day. But I promise you, it is the God's honest truth and the reality of the situation. For those employees that think they're they're able to to negotiate a severance package on their own, a lot of times, and I would say effectively always, that situation ends up biting them in the rear because you might be able to get an extra week or two's pay, maybe. Most often, the employer will simply respond back to an employee's demands and say, sorry, employee, this is our policy, this is our procedure, we're not revising our severance package. And now, even if an employment lawyer gets involved after the fact, it becomes difficult for even us as as professionals that do this for a living, it becomes difficult for us to turn that no into a yes. You're much, much better off not engaging with your employer you know, if you receive a termination letter when you're you're let go, again, don't sign anything, don't accept anything. You take the documents with you. You wish your employer all the best. You collect your belongings and you walk out the door, even if it's virtually, uh, John, like as as it is nowadays, more yeah. more so. You don't slam the door behind you. You don't berate the manager that that let you go. You walk out peacefully and and gracefully. Let the employment lawyer handle the severance negotiations. They will be able to do far better for you than what you would be able to do as an individual, and the legal costs would be minimal, if anything. And that'll do it for another show. Nicely done, Alex Luciferro, managing partner, Sam Firu, to Mark and LLP. Reach out, one 821 5900 and help at employmentlawyer.ca. We'll catch you again, Employment Law Show. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.